0: Say, well, uh, just, just do this. We've been in a series called How Do I Know? And we've been asking what I would call tough questions. And the idea is to help you be able to give an answer to people who ask these questions. First week we talked about how do I know there's a God? Second week was how do I know the Bible's reliable? Third week was how do I know God's voice? Fourth week was how do I know God loves me? And today you need to know my heart in this series is to equip you to have an answer to every to every person who asks you about the hope that is within you. So today we're going to talk about how do I know Jesus is the only way? And that, that might stir up something in some of you and not in others, but... Before we do it, let's get in uh, or lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever else you have your Bible on. Make this prayer declaration with me. Say this, this is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all that says I can do. I can be all that says I can be. And I can have all that says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I want to deal with one of the most audacious things that Jesus ever said. Now Jesus said a lot of audacious things like, you have to lose your life to save it. You have to love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It is better to give than to receive. He said the meek, that means the humble, patient, not defensive, having having their strength under control, people shall inherit the earth. He also said many other things that are contrary to the way we think as human beings. But probably the most audacious statement he ever made is in John 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So when people claim to be atheists or agnostics or who uh, belong to other religions, and Christians say that statement. It means to them Christians are narrow-minded, snobbish, and exclusive. And if you are here today, investigating Christianity or just checking it out from uh, the mind that kind of mindset this morning, uh, and it kind of puts you off. I just want you to know I can understand that it can get under your skin a little bit. But hopefully today, when it's all over, you'll go. Now I get it. Okay. So this statement is so controversial that it addresses what I call three great myths about Christianity. Here's the first one. All religions are basically the same. So many will say when you get down to it and strip away all the surface level distinctions, get them down to their essentials, uh, you will find all religions basically teach the same thing. So it doesn't matter what you believe because all roads lead to the same place or lead up the mountain of God. In other religions, they basically teach the universal brotherhood, sisterhood, and fatherhood of God. And yet, with this one outlandish statement by Jesus, Christianity is put in a class all by itself because the only path to God we believe and Jesus taught is himself, Jesus Christ. And the reality is this, you can write this down, Christianity cannot be reconciled with any other religion. Acts 4.12, listen to this verse. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So the uniqueness of Christianity is rooted in the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. He is unlike any other religious leader that has ever walked the planet. Now let me give you some statements made by other religious leaders and uh, then then I'll give you what Jesus says. So here's the first one. Other religious leaders have said, follow me and I will show you how to find the truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. Other religious leaders have said, follow me and I will show you the way to salvation. But Jesus said, I am the way to eternal life. Other religious leaders have said, follow me and I will show you how to become enlightened. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Other religious leaders have said, follow me and I will show you many doors that lead to God. But Jesus said, I am the door. Other religious leaders say, follow me, and I will show you how to find spiritual nourishment. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Then Jesus said, so follow me. I tell you, with all those options, I'm gonna go with the one that has all those, uh, he's all of them, all right? Now, I hope you can see the difference because people have tried to find commonality between Christianity and other religions and there are drastic and e- irreconcilable differences between other religions and Christianity. What other religions of the world have in common are doing something through their, their struggling, their efforts, their striving and working for the favor of God. Some say things like this, uh, you've got to go on a pilgrimage to get the favor of God. You have to use the Tibetan prayer wheel or you have to give alms to the poor to get to God. You have to avoid eating certain foods or you have to pray a certain way and certain prayers or you have to go through a series of reincarnation. These are all attempts for people to get close to God and they're reaching out in those ways. But Jesus Christ, the son of God, is God's attempt to reach out to mankind and Jesus taught the opposite of what these other religions teach. He said, you might as well stop trying because we're all guilty of wrongdoing and you will never be good enough. Then he said, our wrongdoing is what separates us from God and no one is sinless and everyone falls short of getting to God on their own no one is perfect and if you don't believe me just ask someone who's married you'll know so our sin causes us to be distant from God so because God is just he decided to send his son to pray for our sin or pay for our sins and to pay for the penalty of death that we deserve and out of his love for us He died on a cross, was buried in a tomb and rose from the dead so we could live with him forever. And when we receive his sacrifice by faith on our behalf, then we are made right with God and become part of his family and we draw close to him. I I think it's amazing. So Christianity is the difference between between good works and grace. So you can write this down. All other religions are spelled D-O. Do, because they all have to do something to get to God. They all have to do something to make them morally okay. The problem is, and I want you to hear this: nobody knows how many good things they have to do to get to the, to get to their God's approval. They don't know when the quotas met. It's like somebody saying, uh, "I'm going to give you a quota." To uh, if you're going to work for me, to sell so many things, but they never tell you what the quota is, and that's kind of what it's like. So Christianity says you can never do enough to earn my love to get to heaven. That's why Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. So Jesus did what we could never do. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He went to the cross, paid for our sins, which means he paid for yours and my sins, which means he paid for all of our wrongdoings, and remember when he was on the cross, just before he died he said this, it is finished, which means it is done. The sins of the world are paid for, and all that is left for you and I to do is to apply that to our lives by faith to receive his free gift of forgiveness, mercy, and grace. So you can really see the distinction between do and done, when you look at the story of the prodigal son and a similar one in the Buddhist religion. They start out similar, but in very different. In each story, both sons rebel against their father. They go out to a distant land. Everything uh, sort of falls apart for them, and they lose everything, and they decide to come home and reconcile with their fathers. So far, so good. They start out the same, But in the Buddhist story, here's what happens. The son comes home and the father forces the son to pay for the penalty of his past mistakes in servitude. In the Christian story, when the son comes home, instead of making him pay for his past mistakes, the father opens his arms and gives him unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, restores his sonship, and even throws a party for him. I don't know about you. I want to be in that religion, right? Okay, Titus three five. He saved us. It was not because of any good works that we ourselves had done, but because of His own mercy that He saved us. That's that's not to say that Christians don't do good works. We do, but we do them not in an effort in an effort to get uh, closer to God. We do them because. Out of gratitude, he saved a beggar like me and he saved a beggar like you and that he would save us and the likes of us and so we serve and love others so that God can get the glory because we love him. Now, there are, there are big differences between other religions and Christianity. Uh, uh, so how do you become, how do you, and they're about how you become reconciled to God. Here, here are some of the differences. Christianity says there is one God eternally existing in three persons in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hinduism says everything is God. You're God. This music uh, stand is God. The microphones are God. The trees, the rocks, everything is God and don't we all feel good about ourselves? Okay? That kind of thing. Islam denies that Jesus was God. Islam denies that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Buddhism or Buddha was non-committal about the idea of God. He was kind of agnostic because he wasn't sure if there was a God uh, or if he existed. So you can see those beliefs are at odds with each other and with Christianity. The other problem is they all can't be true at the same time. It would be illogical for God to go one side of the world and say, by the way, guys, I just want you to know I'm a God of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm a good God. I i, uh, I want you to know that uh, you can come to me through my Son, Jesus Christ, for your sins. Then he goes to another side of the world and he says something like this. I'm not one God. I'm thousands of gods. And I'm not a personal God, but an impersonal God. And you can become reconciled to me by going through reincarnation. Then he goes to another part of the world and says... I'm Allah, and here's what you have to do to get to me. If God did that, he would be schizophrenic. <laughs> That's right. It's important for us to know that. So other religions and religious leaders can offer wise sayings, wisdom, and how to live life But Jesus Christ who lived a perfect sin life is the only one qualified to offer himself up for our wrongdoing no other religions and no other religious leaders claimed to or even pretended to be able to do that jesus provided for us a way a way for us to get to god Uh, excuse me let's clear my throat. throat thank you to get to god in an extraordinary way by god becoming man that's called by the way the reincarnation or the incarnation i mean which is called Christmas, all right? Just so you know, that's what, Christmas isn't about gifts, it's about the one gift, Jesus. So it does matter which path you follow to get to God. Now, Jesus' words dispel the myth that all paths lead to God when it comes to this first myth. Here's the second myth. All religions have equal claims on the truth. So let's say Christianity is different from all the other religions, but it's still just one philosophy among many. Let's say it's only as valid as all the other religions, uh, religious systems, even if there are some differences, they all have equal claims on the truth. So you have your truth, I have my truth, and uh, you know, hopefully the, everybody wants to make them all equally true. Now, this philosophy has a certain appeal in America these days because we live in a tolerant, and pluralistic society. And our con- I found everybody's tolerant as long as you agree with them. But anyway, our Constitution protects every human being to believe whatever they want. Aren't you grateful for that? I am. But some people make the erroneous assumption because every belief is protected, therefore every belief must be true. And that is just not the truth. The idea in this country, because of freedom of speech, Uh, is that we can grapple things out, talk things out, so that in the end, the truth will emerge and win. And hopefully, we can talk things out without getting angry at each other. But I'll tell you this, I am for every religion being open and talked about in public school. Do you know why? Because Christianity will always win out. And it always wins out if you equip your kids to be able to know the answer to these questions. So uh, just because all religions are protected doesn't mean that all religions are equally true. So Jesus warns us of being deceived by those who claim uh, to be the way of God. Matthew 24, 5, it's on your notes, but it says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and deceive many. Many have been declaring they are God incarnate, Uh, for centuries. And one true story is one that happened here in America in 1752 to 1820 uh, with a lady named Jemima Wilkinson. She convinced several hundred people, at least two to three hundred, that she was God in the flesh. She She told them she was the daughter of God. She told them she was their ticket to heaven. She told them Uh, The only way to the father she was the only way to the father and one day she and her followers. This is true You can look this up. She was walking by a lake They were all several hundred of them walking by the lake and she said to them. Do you believe that I can walk across this lake? Just like Jesus walked on the water And they said, yes, yes, you can do it. She said again, do you believe that I can walk across this lake, walk on the water just like Jesus did? Yes, yes, yes. She asked that question several times. And then she said this, well, if you already believe it, then I guess there's no need for me to actually do it. And she walked around the lake. (laughs) Few of her followers felt a little, you know, let down, so they left, but she kept on. And then what really destroyed her little movement was before she died in 1820, she told them not to bury her, but place her body in a certain place out in the open, and after the third day, she told them, I'm going to come back from the dead. Just so you know, she's still wherever they laid her. It's done, it's over. Nothing came to it. That was the end of Jemima Wilkinson's movement. So over the centuries, people have created religions claiming to be the way, the truth, and the life, but how do we know Jesus was telling the truth? So on your notes, you can write this down. The reality is this. Only Jesus backs up his claims with unique credentials that give him unique credibility. So Jesus has lots of unique credentials, but I'll just give you a few. These are not on your notes, but you can just listen to these. Jesus validates his claim to be one, the one and only Son of God because he's the only one to fulfill all 300 plus uh, prophecies about the Messiah in the Bible. Now, we talked about this over the last few weeks, but I've heard people say this to me. Well, he could have maneuvered his life to fulfill those prophecies, okay? Well, like, like he could have arranged for the donkey to take him into Jerusalem. Nobody in their right mind would say, I'm going to take that donkey into Jerusalem so they will praise me one moment and then crucify me the next. I don't think. Anyway, he, he couldn't arrange to be born in Bethlehem before he was born. He couldn't arrange his ancestry and he couldn't arrange for how he would be put to death because nobody had heard of crucifixion when all the prophecies were written. So all he fulfilled, he fulfilled all 300 plus prophecies and mathematically, It would have been impossible just to fulfill eight of those, but he fulfilled all 300. Secondly, he validates his claim um, by his unprecedented character. Now, when you get to know someone better and better, you begin to see their flaws and shortcomings more clearly. Like I said earlier, just get married. and, And here's the thing. Before you get married, your parents try to warn you. And they try to tell you about their shortcomings that they see. And I'm sure Lois's mom tried to warn her about me, but she was getting married too, so she was kind of blind about the whole thing. You know? So there you go. But anyway, the thing is, is you did, here's what you think. I can overcome any of these flaws. They're so wonderful. They're so perfect. And then you get married, and you begin to see those flaws. Or you have a, a friendship. But let me just say this. The opposite was true of Jesus Christ the more his followers got close to him and see him up close more and more, they marveled at his purity, his holiness, and his integrity. Truth is, no one was closer to him than John. And after being around him for over three years, this is what John said about him. In him is no sin. Can you imagine someone spending three plus years with you and getting to know you? What would, what would they say about you? I don't think they would say in that person there's no sin. Okay. John, uh, John said, not a zip, no sin. Peter said it this way. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. So his unique character validates who he is as the son of God. Third, he validated his claim by performing miracles. He performed miracles not in private, not in, in darkness, not behind closed doors. He performed miracles out in public, in broad daylight, in front of the skeptics and everyone else, and in the ancient writings of the Koran and in Roman history, they admit and wrote, and still have, you can find these, Jesus did miracles. So his ability to do the miracles further validates his claim. Then fourth and the most spectacular, validation of all is this he fulfilled his own prediction that after three days he would be raised from the dead and he was in and he was encountered by 500 witnesses so who else but the son of God could spend three days in a tomb after being crucified and resurrected from that crucifixion only Jesus Christ that's why Peter could preach these words in Acts chapter 2 after the resurrection he said this Jesus of Nazareth was a man whose divine mission was clearly shown to you by the miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him. You yourselves know this, for it took place here among you. See, didn't, Jesus didn't claim he was just the way to God, but he validated his credentials and firmly established his credibility. Myth number three, Christians are arrogant. And they say Jesus is the only way to, to heaven. Now, it might sound arrogant if it weren't true. And there are many, there are, when people say there are many ways to get to heaven, but the reality is this. It's not arrogant to act upon the evidence. It's not arrogant to tell others there's only one way to God if the evidence points to Jesus' claims of being who he is. Uh, I heard a story about a a couple that had a baby born uh, with jaundice and it was pretty serious. So the doctor said, it's serious but there is a remedy and a solution to be able to heal your little baby. All you have to do is get this certain light and this light, you put it over the baby, it causes the skin to absorb the light and then it activates the liver to function properly. So if that's the case, the parents could have responded, that's too easy. I'd I, I like to take that baby and just scrub it and bleach and do something you know, to, to, make it, to make that stuff go away. Or you could just say, how about we just ignore it and it'll get better. But the doctor says, no, there's only one way to cure this little child from jaundice and that is through this light. And would we accuse the parents for being narrow-minded, for trusting what the doctor said. No, it's not arrogance to act upon the evidence. What we do is we, we need to understand this. We all have an illness called sin. And Jesus, the great physician, says, I'm the light to put over your life that can save you. Okay, First Peter 3.15, this is kind of our theme today, really. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You might have the solution, you might have the cure, but that means every Christian should not only be able to tell others about the credibility and the credentials of Jesus, but do it with humility and do it with gentleness, all right? Now, if Jesus dispels those myths, it brings up uh, a commonly asked question. And here's, I've heard this many times in my life. What about those who live in an isolated place? And uh, I think that's a, viola- uh, uh, I mean, uh, a valid question. I think it should be asked, really. So the first thing we need to know is if that's true and they're in isolated places, here's what you need to know about what God says about that. Number one, God puts each person in the place where they might reach out to him. This is how much God loves us. Look at these verses, Acts 17, 26 through 27. From one man, he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined, listen to this, the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. So if you don't like Grace Harbor, it's God's fault. (laughs) All right, why did he do that? Here's why. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Isn't that amazing? So if, if you're on, uh, on some faraway island, it's because God wanted you there. And you need to know this. It just might be the place that you would call out to God. It's where you would call out and try to reach him. And God says, and I, and I love this last part. He's not far from each of us. God is not playing some cosmic cosmic hide and seek uh, game with us he 's not just putting us in places to see if we can find him no he 's ready for us to reach out to him, and He wants to be found all right now, number two is everyone has a moral standard written on their hearts, and all gu- are all guilty all are guilty of violating it. So listen, we know this because at one time or another, our consciences have bothered us. When we have when we have done something wrong, like speeding. Yesterday, uh, I got I was driving my car going rather fast. I, I don't think I was going that fast. I think the other person slowed down. But being a pastor, I mean, know everybody sees you, and be sure your sins will find you out, Pastor Doug. So this guy calls me on the phone. He said, man, you're going like a bat out of some place. You're sure in a hurry. I, I thought you were a pastor. I thought you... He's joking with me. And I said, "I said, well, maybe you just slowed down. I don't think I was speeding. But, he, but after I hung up the phone, my heart got pricked just for a moment about speeding. All right, here's what it says. Just for a moment. Okay, Romans 2.15. The requirements of the law are written on their hearts... Their consciences also bearing witness. Your conscience is such a gift from God. It tells you when you should and shouldn't do something. So sometimes you don't need to hear from the Holy Spirit. You don't even need to know the Bible. You know in your heart, it's not good to do that. Romans 3.10, no one in all the world is innocent. All right, third one is everyone has enough information from observing creation to know God exists but people reject God anyway. Look at these verses, Romans 1, 20 through 21. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. Listen, God is speaking to us through creation, and he, he's doing it to draw us to him. And if we take the time to look and to listen, we can see him just in creation. But many still reject him anyway. Here's number four. Everyone who sincerely seeks God will find him. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So the truth is, the Bible tells us it's the Holy Spirit that first seeks us, and then as he draws us, it makes it possible for us to seek after God. So what do these last four points suggest to me? These points suggest to me that, and I hope to you, that people everywhere in the world who respond to the understanding that they have and earnestly seek after the one true God will find an opportunity in some way to receive Jesus as their personal Savior and have eternal life. Now, there are lots of stories like this throughout the world where people grew up and no Christian background, uh, no one came to witness to them, no Christian churches, and yet they found Christ. Uh, I read a story about a particular man who grew up with uh, Hindu gurus and mentored him, uh, mentored by them in India. And as he became a teenager, he began to realize there were so many contradictions within the Hinduim, Hinduism teachings that even, and by the way, even Gandhi realized uh, this and wanted to edit out some of the Hindu scriptures because of the contradictions. And you should know that Gandhi almost became a Christian. So this teenage boy said to himself, how can I believe these things when these teachings contradict each other? So he began to cry out to God, God, if you're real, if you, I wanna know the one true God, and if you're there, would you please reveal yourself to me of who you are? And through some amazing circumstances, God brought some Christians into this guy's life who shared the message of Jesus and he received him as his personal savior and as a strong Christian today. Now, I heard another story about a guy who made fake passports to help people get out of uh, India uh, into the United States. And uh, when he came to the United States, he got himself out. When he came to the United States, he got saved. People witnessed to him and he turned from Hinduism to Christianity. And once he got trained, he said, I'm gonna go back to India and I'm gonna share the gospel. And he was gonna go back to this remote area. And they said, they're not gonna let you back in there uh, even though you're a Christian uh, and because you're a Christian. And he said, that's okay. I make fake passports. I can get in. (laughs) So I just want you to know that God has a way of reaching people and helping them. So don't ever think... uh, that it's not fair. So the last point is this. God is scrupulously fair. God is precise when he deals with each of our lives. Genesis 18, 25c says this. Will not the judge of the earth do right? See, this is telling us that every human being that has ever lived is going to be judged by God. That means they will be fairly judged by God. That means when this is all over and we stand before God, No, not one individual will be able to shake their fist at God and say, you're not fair. Even though they may not like the result, they will see that God is scrupulously fair. He is a just God. Truth is, no one will be excluded from heaven because they have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. The reason people will be denied admittance into heaven is because they have told God their entire lives I can live my life just fine without you. I don't need you. So when they die, he will tell them, based on the decision to live your life separate from me, I will honor that decision that you have made and I will seal that decision right now and you will live with that decision for eternity separated from me forever. That's fair. God will not violate our free will God will not, God will honor the choice that you and I make to be reconciled to him uh, to live apart or to be, live apart from him. So I think, I hope that helps you this morning uh, with the person who might be isolated from God somewhere on this planet. And if you have never heard this message before about salvation or about Jesus Christ, I want you to know you've heard it today. And if you've heard it today, you are now accountable for it alright let's stand now in a moment I'm going to ask those of you who are here and those who are online to make a commitment to Jesus Christ the Savior of the world the one who is the way the truth and the life and in a moment I will ask you to raise your hand but first let me tell you just a short story there was a teenage boy trapped in a basement fire that he accidentally started himself and he was surrounded by black smoke, but he found his way to the phone, called uh, the operator or 911, but he is inhaling this smoke that's so black that he gets disoriented and he can't tell where he's at. He can't find his way out. Fear begins to fill his mind and his emotions because he realized he couldn't save himself. He realized if someone didn't come to rescue him, he wasn't going to make it, but just then, As he was starting to black out, a policeman who beat the fire department there entered the front door of the house and went to the basement door. He had a big flashlight, went down the stairs, and he said these words, Police officer, is anyone down here? And the boy cried out, I'm here. Now just freeze that scenario just for a moment. Let's say the teenager could have intellectually analyzed the situation in a moment a police officer enters his world, and he has credentials. He was a trained professional who knew how to rescue someone. He was fully capable of leading the teenager to safety. And you know what else? He knew where the stairs were. He knew the only escape route from that basement. And to make it even better, he had this big flashlight to illuminate the way. But do you know what? It wouldn't have been enough for this teenager just to say, I believe that's a police officer there. He had to make a step forward. He had to put action to his faith. He had to step out and say, I'm here. And then he reached out his hand. The officer reached out his hand, put his arm around him and led him to safety. Now, so he did this with the police officer. As he did it, I just want you to know, that's what Jesus wants to do for you today. Jesus wants to come into your life so every head bowed every eye closed Jesus is saying to you today I'm the police officer I have the credentials I want you to know I don't need a big flashlight I am the light I know where the stairway is and I'm calling you today to reach out to me so I can rescue you from the inferno that you don't have to face Jesus is your rescuer He is the way He is the truth and the life as He comes to you today you know what? He wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to give you fulfillment. He wants to give you adventure and eternity with Him. So if that's you this morning, and you know you need to come back to God, you need to get right with God, you know that you've just been messing around, uh, or you've never given your life to Christ, if that's you today, I'm gonna to ask you to raise your hand. Right now, raise him high so I can see him. Don't be ashamed. Say, that's me, I need Christ in my life. I see one, two, three, four. Any more? just four all right just four that's that's amazing come on. come on we had three last service we had four this service now here's what we're gonna do we all pray this prayer together because you're not gonna enter into salvation just with Jesus you get the whole family of God around you to help you grow so say this with me Father God thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Okay, if I could have prayer people come on up. We're gonna end with a worship song. If you gave your life to Christ, uh, then then come up and tell somebody and they'll give you some materials to help you. And then secondly, just so you know, if you need a prayer for anything, we believe in prayer here. Healings, miracles, signs and wonders. God can do that as you get prayer this morning. So let's worship get some prayer.